Welcome back to Bible study, Paul's epistle to the Galatian church. Welcome back to John. Welcome back to Derek. And there's Lionel, what a, Rabbi Lionel, whatever his name was. And welcome back to all of you, as he used to say. Lionel good morning. Blue. Lionel Blue, good morning, so-and-so. Good morning, so-and-so. And good morning, everyone. Anyway, it's good evening. It's Galatians. Is that, um, we're all ready to go th uh, from Galatians chapter 3, verse 19, through to the end of the chapter. And Graham is going to read for us, and John is going to pray. Derek is going to read for us. Did I, what did I say? Graham. I keep going. <coughs> I, I, the last couple of weeks, actually, I've been calling you Graham. I don't know what that means. <laughs> it's a real term of endearment. Derek is going to read for us. John is going to pray. Thank you. Okay, verse 19. What purpose, then, does the law serve? It was added because of transgressions until the seed should come to whom the promise was made. And it was appointed through angels by the hand of a mediator. Now a mediator does not mediate for one only, but God is one. Is the law then against the promises of God? Certainly not. For if there had been a law given which could have um, given life, truly righteousness would have been by the law. But the scripture has confined all under sin, that the promise by faith in Christ Jesus might be given to those who believe. But before faith came, we were kept under God by the law, kept for the faith which would afterward be revealed. Therefore, the law was our tutor to bring us to Christ that we might be justified by faith. But after faith has come, we are no longer under a tutor. For you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek, nor there is neither slave nor free. There is neither male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus in Christ Jesus. And if you are Christ's, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. Amen. Heavenly Father, as we congregate around your word here in the studio and at home in living rooms and cars and everything around the world, Lord, we thank you for your word. Lord, as we, as we wrestle with it, we ask, Lord, that you open the eyes of our understanding, that you show us your heart, you show us clearly, Lord, that what, your, what your heart's desire is for us to understand. And Lord, as we deal with this long-standing difficult subject, Lord, the, 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 the tension between the law and the grace of God, Lord, we ask that you put the words in our mouths, Lord, and the thoughts in our hearts, that we will share these, Lord, with ourselves and with our viewers, that they will be blessed, Lord. As we ask above all else, Lord, that people will be blessed by studying your word and that we will grow through it, Lord, all to the glory of God in Jesus' name. Mm. Amen. 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 Thank you very much. Thank you very much. So, here we are. I don't know where to start, except another apology about <laughs> <laughs> um, that's classic, that's absolutely classic. Uh, still talking about the seed. Um, so yes. Basically, it says that the, uh, the purpose of the law, 
it was that period before the seed. So it's from Moses to Jesus. Is that the period that we're talking about now in verse um, 19? Yes, he's, he, he, in, the, in the whole argument, he's, he's really countering these Jewish legalists who basically say, our religion is based on Moses and mm. keeping the law, and yeah, we'll add Christ into that mix, but it's still, basically, you've got to keep the law of Moses. Yeah. Um, uh, the new covenant is just a kind of law of Moses, you know, 2.0 kind of thing. Mm. Um, and Paul is saying, no, you've got the wrong idea completely. Yeah. God's way of salvation was established back by Abraham, mm. and through Abraham, God promised the blessing, which we call the blessing of Abraham, which includes salvation, uh, to the nations, that the nations will inherit it. Mm. If they believe in the Messiah, they will inherit this blessing that is by grace, through faith. Mm. And now, and he says that's still true because God doesn't annul that. He's, mm. he's willed it, and the will has been brought into action through the death and resurrection of Christ. So whatever the law of Moses is about, it's, it's not about saving you. It's, it's not about a works method of salvation. Yeah. That's a misunderstanding. Salvation was established by God through Abraham uh, and by grace, and God doesn't change his mind. Yeah. So now we come to the question is, well, why did God bring in the law of Moses? What's that all about? John's going to answer that. <laughs> why did he bring that? No, no, you're going to answer no, that. No, no, I, you know how I do. You, you two are talking and my mind is all I know, which I love because I'm waiting. <laughs> I'm waiting for something. And, and I, you know, I just try to put myself in the, in the shoes of these people and, and not so much those who are being Judaized because they, they're not coming from a deep-rooted position as the Judaizers. You know, they must be asking, asking themselves, we've lived this life, we've been up to Jerusalem every Passover and whatever, what's all that for? Is it all a waste? Is it all for nothing? You can see the struggle. And that struggle continues to the present day. You know, people who live a cloistered life, who, who join, and I'm not saying it's necessarily wrong to become a monk or a nun. I'm not suggesting that for one moment. But people that have lived that sort of life and have, uh, uh, and, and have deprived themselves, all they think, you know, this is what God wants of them. Um, and they put their heart and soul into it, and it's probably been very painful. Mm. In the old days where they used to scourge themselves and everything, and Luther used to do that, you know, and scourge himself, and, and, and it was constantly miserable. Um, but they must, they struggle. When they're told this wonderful gospel of grace, they find it very hard to receive. Mm. And, and in a sense, that's more important than, than these people because that's relevant today. But this is, you know, this is where it's all rooted. This is where we see it. They, people think, I've been following the law of Moses, which I understand to be the word of God, and we'll just forget that the rabbis over the centuries have added and added and added and added to it, um, or to protect the core, I understand that, but the fact is a lot of it is man-made. Mm. And, and, and they've put their heart and soul into it, their very life, because it's become the constitution of Israel, effectively, um, all for nothing. Mm. All for nothing. That, that's, a, that's a tough call. And it's a tough call for somebody who's living a, and has lived a religious, a devout religious life, 
lighting candles and incense and wearing costumes and everything, to think that's all for nothing. Yeah. And it's coming to the point where they can humble themselves before God and say, I, 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 <laughs> I don't blow my own trumpet, but I wrote the Lord a little letter recently and I said, Lord, forgive me, I realise, although it wasn't deliberate, that I've been trying to manipulate you with your own word. Mm. And, you know, and I believe that's what we do a lot of the time. We, we know the scriptures now, we want to get the Lord to do what we want him to do, we will try and manipulate him. Well, I, he won't be manipulated. He won't. And it, there's only one place, and that's to be in the centre of his grace. Mm. It's the only place. But it does require shedding often everything you've held dearly yeah. to date. So and let's not pretend yeah. it's easy. Yeah. Well, I don't point the finger at these people. It's not easy. No, that's right. So um, it, it is, in terms of their personal salvation, it's all for nothing. But in terms of providing a case, the ultimate case study for humanity, mm. it wasn't for nothing. Right. Because you, you have in Romans 2, where, where you're just giving an illustration of, of observance, and yet, you know, if it isn't circumcision of the heart, all of that observance is... It's for nothing, but, it, but it's not for nothing because it gears us up through Romans yeah. 2 to Romans 3, but now a righteousness apart from the law yeah. is revealed, I think yeah, that's 19, right. to which the law and the prophets testify. So there's a testimony going on to the truth of God's word and to the truth of this yes. scripture. So it's not for nothing for, in terms of our study, but it is for nothing in terms of their Personal salvation. salvation. Yes. yes, and that's, the, that's what Paul has established so far, that salvation is not by the law. And it was never intended to be a means of salvation. Mm. That was a misunderstanding. But it did serve other purposes. Yeah. And so it's, but in terms of if it's a matter of you seeking your salvation by being a monk or yeah. by doing this or that, then no, then sorry, that all that human effort. Yes, is worth it's nothing worth to God nothing. in terms of your salvation. But it did serve other purposes, yeah. and, and that's what Paul's briefly de um, describes. Can I try and crack the code uh, as it is in my version? It says the law, uh, in the first verse we read, the law was put into effect through angels by a mediator. Um, and then it says a mediator, however, does not represent one, just one party, but God is one. What, what are we talking about there? Well, what God, is the mediator? God doesn't need a mediator. No. Man does. Yep. So God is one and he needs nobody to mediate on his behalf yep. between him and us. But we needed, we needed a mediator between us and him. Yep. Um, uh, uh, We're talking about that period before Christ, about the th something through the... Uh, uh, unless I've re misread it. The law was put into effect through angels by a mediator. I can't remember how it came out in your version, but... Yeah. yeah. It's, I mean... As well as what John said, he's talking about the superiority of the new covenant mm. over the old covenant. Yeah, he's, he's talking about the purposes of the law of Moses. We've we, it's, we've so, kind of so is it the law of Mo what? We've kind of jumped here. But yeah, just read verse nineteen again, just for my sake. It's nineteen and twenty else. for us, I think. Yeah. Okay, go on and read the whole of the, the 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 two verses again, just get my head around it a second time. So verse 19, yeah. uh, what purpose then does the law serve? It was added because of transgressions, yeah. which is 
his main point really, mm. till the seed should come, till Christ comes, mm. to whom the promise was made. So he's saying, first of all, the law was just had a temporary purpose, yeah. right? Uh, and, and it served its purpose from Moses to Christ yeah. till the seed came. Um, so this next section but the next the verse, phrase here is, to get is, is the hardest part of all of this. Oh, right. Oh, good. I'm right. pleased. But it is <laughs> it's not one, too simple. What he is saying that he's pointing out to the superiority. Just uh, read it again, though, just so that yeah, so, sorry. and then comment on it. And it was appointed through angels by the hand of a mediator. Now, a mediator does not mediate for one only, but God is one. Okay, good. That's well, I'll that's give you my take on it. Okay, right? good. Because <laughs> he is pointing out that the law, and there are certain scriptures that affirm this, although it's not ob obvious. Um, Deuteronomy 33, 2, Hebrews 2, 2, Acts 7, 53, and Psalm 68, 17. They all confirm that angels were involved in the giving of the law. I mean, it's not obvious if you read Exodus, mm. but apparently angels were involved from God's side in terms of the mediation. And obviously on, on man's side, Moses was involved. So they, they were actually two, if you like, mediators, but creaturely um, mediators. Yeah. And that spoke of the weakness of that covenant. I mean, it's hardly the strongest thing. God is mediating with, you know, making a covenant with Israel, but you've got angels and you've got Moses. Yeah. You know, and, and, and that is not uh, the strongest of links, no. all right? That yeah. is not a perfect covenant okay. by any means. Yeah, very good. Then he compares it with the new covenant where he says, um, now a mediator does not mediate for one only, um, but yeah. God is one. Mm. Now, in other words, he's saying, you know, this, you know, you've got two disconnected groups here, God and man, mm. with this kind of, there's a link here, but it's yeah. not the strongest of links. And, and this is where people disagree on this thing. But I, I feel the Lord showed me this. So oh, well, it has just, to be right then. I'll give it to you. Because if John says something because like that, the, I absolutely, it has to be right. The awesome thing about it. John says, this is God's word. <laughs> and you've just got to accept it. <laughs> so over to you, Derek. Well, I nearly said great. It's completely uh, <laughs> <laughs> losing the plot here. The, the, okay, um, go on. You know, the, the new covenant is perfect. Yeah. Because it's it's... The mediator is Christ. Yes. Through his human nature, he identifies with us, but Christ is God. Yeah. And the Father, who is God. So in its very nature, the new covenant is a covenant between the Father and the Son. And God is one. And God is one. Yeah, so there's no so that is an absolute perfect covenant. We come into it through our faith in Christ. We come into the Son. Yeah. And now... We are in God, as it were, and the covenant is absolutely perfect. There's no angels who might get it wrong yeah. or some Moses. human being like Moses who might get it wrong. It is between the Father and the Son who are perfect, and they are one. And we come into that new covenant, and I think that's awesome. It is awesome. We believe in <coughs> God the Father. We believe in God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, who with the Father and the Son is worshipped and glorified. I mean, the Trinity is is a very powerful, unbreakable mm. unity. Yes. That doesn't sound contradictory. And he's saying because Moses' covenant by its very nature was imperfect, it was therefore temporary. Yes. And therefore it was never meant to be God's 
solution yes. for mankind. Yes. It was a it served a temporary function. Yeah. Whereas the new covenant, which is the fulfilment of the Abrahamic blessing, is absolutely perfect because it, because yeah. it's between God and God. Wonderful. <laughs> Who is one? And therefore, this I, is I God's pretty, permanent I pretty solution. well had an inkling of that, but I just wanted to crack it. And I, I heard you say you're jumping ahead a bit, but it just sort of niggled me. Right. Yeah. But the mediator in in this regard really is. Moses, the first mm. uh, mediator, as it were, and through the angels, you're right, it, he, he, he did his best. He made a good fist of it. Yeah. Know, and, and so Moses, the Moses covenant was. played a role, but it was a, a temporary and a preparatory role. Yeah. And he'll confirm that when he gives other analogies, but it, it was to prepare the way mm. for the ultimate, for the perfect covenant. Mm. And the Jewish mistake right now is that they think Moses is it. That's it. There, there's yeah. nothing better than Moses. Yeah. But even in the Moses covenant, you know, in Jeremiah and Ezekiel, he says, I will make a new yes. covenant, yeah. a, a better covenant, you know, a covenant that won't be broken, mm. that overcomes the weakness of the flesh. Yeah, through Jesus the Jew. Through Jesus the Jew, yes. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, liber it's liberating. I, I, it's absolutely liberating. I feel liberated. Yes, <laughs> I do. I do. I but do. but but this the the fact that the covenant. I'm thinking back to some things we've said in the last certainly the last couple of Bible studies, um, and when we were talking about the curses and how the curses manifest in our lives illegally in many cases. Yeah. But this is because we've not understood just what you said. We 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 have understood the new covenant has been a covenant between God and us and, and it's a covenant cut in the blood of Christ and therefore it's never going anywhere, it's, it's here forever. But I suspect we've felt that we haven't kept our side mm. of the covenant, although that doesn't catch God out and therefore in a sense we deserve all the rotten things that hang to us. Mm. But this changes all that. Yeah. The covenant is between Jesus and the Father mm. and we it just reinforces what we were saying of the power of, of Galatians 3.13 we're talking about, you know. Yeah. We are redeemed from the curse of the law. And, and this is the covenant between God our Father and God our Saviour. Yeah. And yes. we are into that. Praise God. Yeah, it's one. So really humbling. And, and flowing really between the Father and the Son yeah. is the Holy Spirit. Yes. Yeah. And we are in the Son. Yes. Praise God. It's and, and, awesome. And we don't have to do anything. No. We, it is reality. If we will wake up to that reality. Yes, yes. We can live in it. We can live in it. That's right. Yeah. That's wonderful. So you said that I jumped. So did I miss something in the first half of verse 19? Well, just the main point, really. Yeah. No, oh, no. <laughs> ah, I love it. Okay. I, 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 um... Sorry, I couldn't resist. No, no, I, I couldn't nearly resist. said, did we miss the main point? And it's kind of rhetorical, <laughs> but uh, carry on. Well, it, it, he, myself he, out of that. Paul, I, I mean, Paul is, always makes us work hard, really, because he, th he just puts a phrase there and then he expects us to kind of put it all together. And... Mm. Um, he basically says, what purpose does the law serve? Now, now, it did serve other purposes. He doesn't get into them all here. Mm. You know. For instance, it, 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 it unified the Jewish nation. It set them apart from mm. the other nations, mm. created a wall of partition, and, and created the Jewish identity. It preserved the Jewish nation in, in those ways. There were other purposes. Mm. But um, the one that he focuses on is the main one, which was to do with salvation. Yeah. It was added because of transgressions. Mm. 
Now, there's a lot in that phrase, and in Romans, I think he, he fills that out. But the gist of that really is, um, it, he, it was added to bring sin to light. Because right. what the law did, it made it absolutely clear that we are sinners. Now, in a way, that was hidden. But as soon as you make a law, now that sin is magnified because now it's a transgression. You know, now you're breaking the law. So, yeah. but before you say, don't, do not covet. Yeah. Now, of course, you will covet, but now your sin is exposed. And yeah. the purpose, in a sense, was to stimulate sin in one sense, but it, to, to make it manifest mm. so that we would know we are sinners and that we cannot save ourselves and, and that we are, and also that we are, as transgressors, we are under punishment, under mm. judgment. Mm. So the law was designed, if you like, not a pleasant role, but it, a necessary role mm. to, you know, before you're ready to receive the, the medicine of salvation, you've got to know that you're sick. Yeah. Otherwise, you, you won't receive it. So the law revealed and, sh and hopefully, uh, you know, revealed that we're sinners, we can't save ourselves. We're under the judgment of God, and therefore we need Christ. We need salvation by grace. So, you so that's this, a major reason. Yeah, there's a nice little detail there in that um, between the term sin and the term transgression, which mm. sort of reminds me of forgive us our trespasses, as, as we forgive those who trespass. Mm. There's something about your, when you're trespassing, you're going, you know, into clearly something that's that's wrong. I, I, you've used that term transgression. Mm. It's as though I, I think what you're saying is, look, it, it, it's you're transgressing. You're highlighting mm. the sin. Am I? Am I? Is there a distinction there? Well, but, yeah. Uh, Paul says in in Romans four fifteen, yeah. where there is no law, there is no transgression. Yeah. So yes, it's you are. Um, he, he, it, it makes, once, you may not realize you're a sinner, yeah. but as soon as certain laws are put in place, you know, then it becomes obvious because the law... The reason I'm asking, makes, it's just yeah. a little detail, and, and you speak more on that, is yeah. that same passage in Romans, he, he quotes David, who said, blessed is the man whose, whose sins are forgiven, Psalm whose transgressions 32. are pardoned. He actually mm. uses, yes, from yeah. Psalm... 32. 32. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it, are, are there two different words, or is it just uh, two sides of the same coin? Transgressions and sins, or is it just poetic license? I, I, th I think it's, it's, it's just semantics, isn't it? Yeah, okay. Good. Sin is That's a more general word. Yeah, you know, yeah. There is a difference, I think. Sin is a more general word that is whenever we fall short of God's glory. But a transgression, in a way, is more serious because we're, it's, we're crossing a line. You know, God has drawn. So it's a, like trespassing. God has drawn a line. You know, don't commit adultery, and then when you deliberately cross that line, you've transgressed. You're transgressing. So that's a transgression. So yeah. that's in a yeah. way more yeah. serious. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. But but that doesn't mean you didn't have sin before that. It's um, just was it was knowing. Was is it, is it there something about transgressions? Then you know that it's wrong, and you do it. Yes, because rather power, than being born into sin, the power of yes. sin is the, the power of sin is the law. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So that's right. that, that, that's why, and you, mm. no law, no sin. Yeah, yeah. 
Two other quotes from Romans. Romans 3.20 says, Through the law comes knowledge of sin. And Romans 7.7, If it had not been for the law, I should have not known sin. So, um, all of this, Paul says just in that phrase, you know, the law was added because of transgressions. He's, he's not going into detail. Yeah. But, but all of that's in, implicit. Um, the law's work was to expose sin, as it were. It turns yeah. sin into transgression. Yeah. Um, that's it. Because there was sin reigned from the time of Adam to the time of Moses. But the they word. weren't transgressions. Right. Right. That's sin it. reigned. Sin reigned, yeah. Because I might think, you know, yeah, I might be aware that I'm, I am. See, the difference is it reveals the nature of sin as, as rebellion against God, you see. Because yeah. I might think, well, I'm not perfect, but I don't realize the seriousness of my mm. sin, mm. my sinful nature. But the, the, by, by then transgressing, obviously, against God, it's revealed now that I'm actually a rebel. Now, it's very interesting you say that, because I know you, you read a couple of quotes from John Stott's book. Mm. Uh, there was an interview that uh, the great Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones, who was a contemporary of John Stott, yes. um, he wasn't at All Souls Langham Place, he was at Westminster Chapel, <laughs> you know, Buckingham Gate. But um, in an interview that Martin Lloyd-Jones gave to Joan Bakewell, yeah, I remember that. Um, <laughs> which I love, and I put it on my Facebook page years ago, um, he said the problem is man, it's not sin, it's rebellion. <laughs> he said it's rebellion. Yeah. And that, I just, oh, really, I've never heard it that, that way before. But you've just said it, basically. Yeah. That, that is the nature of, you know, yeah. we, we were enemies of God, the Bible says. Yeah. But that may not be obvious to us, yeah. you know. Um, but, but the law brings that out. Mm. It, it, as it were, brings out our rebellion it, mm. in the form of transgression. Yeah. We are, you know... <laughs> And you probably experienced it as a father. I don't know yeah. that you know um, the, the the moment you know they yeah. might seem like a Where sweet child, but the moment you say, you know, <laughs> yeah, don't, this is this don't is do the law. This. Yes. <laughs> they're yes. so smart. They've done. They've, they've almost certainly done it without me seeing it. Yeah. You know, and it's only when um, you know when you um, can convince them you've seen it, then they admit to. You know, it's like God sees everything. So once you're persuaded that God sees everything, what what's the point of you know trying to hide anything like Achan, you know, the spoils of Jericho. But I did have an instance, as you asked for an anecdote, with my two kids, and they'll hate me for saying it, but they were, and I'll be told off now for, you know, how I responded to it, but they were both in the garden. I've done, we, we, we had a Russian ship that went down, which is very topical, but, you know, off our coast, filled with wood. And this, and, and the ship sunk, but the wood floated. And, and through the night, there were all of these people, you know, salvaging the wood. And the police were trying to, to manage it, but everyone was ignoring the police because it's Thanet. And, and anyway, I popped down because it was my own beach and got some wood and made a climbing frame. Long mm. story. Made a climbing frame for the kids. And there was a swing on the climbing frame. And one day, there was this absolute screeching, shouting argument out in the garden between the two kids. Um, and what, what's going on, what's going on, you know, rush out to the garden and, you know, I had the swing first, I only made one yeah. swing, <laughs> you know, I had the swing first, no, I had the swing first, I, and, and so what do I do in that situation? And I said, I was looking out of the window mm. and I saw who had the swing first. 
And that was a bit of a fib. <laughs> but immediately it showed them up. <laughs> Elena, step forward, Daddy, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. <laughs> no, the point is, yes, so they, they, they were very young, and so they can be forgiven. I can't be forgiven in one sense for, you know. Yes, you can, you but are. I didn't know any, any way of getting through that fog of who had the swing first. So um, uh, I don't know whether it's relevant to your question about rebellion and them crossing the line, but it's just that it probably answers the point about the sin within. <laughs> that they were, you know, it's just something within us that, you know, the striving and the fighting and the competition, which yeah, I mean, that, manifests that, at a very young age. Isn't it? There's covetousness. But I have told them subsequently, I did, oh, they were very angry. Oh, <laughs> Helena was angry with me that I had lied that I'd seen it through the window. <laughs> Who had the swing first? Oh, that's clever. <laughs> <laughs> well, I thought, what would Solomon say? What was I? You know, yes. I can't, I can't pass, cut the swing pass in half. the sword. <laughs> yes, <laughs> the swing wouldn't work. Okay, sorry about this. Uh, you know, you get these little they're not quite Ian Bell's anecdotes, but that's the best I can come up with. Once God expresses His authority through law, and then we break that law, our sin. Although we were always rebels, that rebellion is now manifested. Yeah. And God's purpose in that is not that he's mean. Yeah. He, he wants us to understand the f our fallenness mm. and, and our need for salvation and that we can't possibly save ourselves. And if we want to be saved from judgment and from curse and all, everything, from sin itself, our only hope is to accept his free gift. Mm. And, and that's what the purpose of the law was, really, certainly in regards to salvation. Yeah. But sometimes, because of human pride, we, we think, oh, the law is given so we can establish our own righteousness. And of course, that's, that's the devil's game. That's, that's what the devil wants to, to twist, something that God meant to, to br bring man to humility and to receive grace. The devil's probably what he considers his greatest trick is to actually use that thing that was meant to bring man to humility to actually cause man to rise up in pride and try and keep the law to, to earn his salvation. Yeah. He probably thinks that's his favorite, favorite um, yes. ac accomplishment. <laughs> yes, that's something, John, you've been saying for a long time. That yeah. is it. Yeah, and but, uh, the, the problem is compounded today as well is because so many people in the West in particular um, have no belief in eternal life. So when they die, they die, and, and that's it, and never what's the point of salvation. Yeah. Whereas if you believe that there's something beyond, then it becomes much more relevant. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. And it is just it's it is a, a deception. Spread. In our evangelism, we have, you have to go back to the very existence of God, actually, yeah. with some people. Yeah. Yeah. Just thinking, when you said the devil, you know, it, it, he's the father of lies, he, he is the accuser of the brethren. What yes. a great accusation that is. Yes. That you're not you're not quite up to scratch, yeah. Because you've done this and you've done that and you've done that. He's yeah. the accuser of the brethren, but he's created this whole deception. Don't want to sound like John now, but he has created this whole deception of salvation through the law. Yes, and it's clever. It's a clever little sort of work that he's pulled off there. Yes, mm. and it's now salvation through wokeness and political <laughs> correctness. <laughs> yes, yeah, salvation through wokes. Yeah, that's good. I like that. <laughs> well done. Um, uh, okay. So it's added because of transgressions. Yeah. Until. 
So notice, yes. he's pointing out it was only to be temporary. Yes. All right. Um, until the seed should come, Christ, of course, to whom the promise was made. So mm. the promise was made that, that, Christ, you know, that Christ would receive the blessing of Abraham on our behalf, and mm. that's how we're going to be saved. Mm. So in salvation history, God, God brought, you know, our own spiritual history might mirror salvation history, possibly, in that we need to come to the end of ourself. In, in thinking we can save ourselves. And, and, and in salvation history, God gave them the law for 1,500 years. And the idea was, so until Christ came, and then when Christ came, who fulfilled everything, mm -hmm. um, that they would then receive the salvation. Yeah. Um, yeah. And Moses, as Jesus said, spoke of Christ. So the law actually also served another purpose through the sacrifices, through the types yeah. and shadows yeah. of actually in, enlarging the promise yeah. uh, and through the prophets, yeah. uh, Jeremiah and so on. They, they were expanding on the promise mm. and, and saying, this is what the Messiah will do. This is what he'll be like. It was preparing the way. And even living it out. So there was that occasion where Moses even said, take me instead of, you know, God wanted yeah. to destroy yeah. the children of Israel. And he even said, take me in their place. Yeah, it's quite. So it was a. Quite, he was quite a mediator in many ways, was yeah, the it was, dear Moses. Because he's the he's the prophet like unto Moses. Yeah. You see, so Moses is one of the types. Yeah. I mean, so, there's a parallel with the way Pharaoh tried to kill all the the younglings, to to to. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, and Moses came out and was saved, and then the Lord Jesus with Herod trying to kill all the younglings. Yes, yeah, a lot of lot of parallels, a, loads, a lot of types. There's loads of wonderful typology, yeah, yeah, yeah. and the sacrifices, of course, and it's all designed to point towards Christ and the salvation He would bring. So, you've got this dual purpose of showing that we need Christ, mm. and and that w that we need the promise, um, but also illuminating the promise and enlarging on the promise so that and the whole idea is to prepare us for Christ yeah. because he is the answer but when when one thinks of all the typologies of the scriptures you think and, and then think well we're talking about 2000 years ago when the story started to unfold as it were you you could with no algorithms you know, no computer chips and processing power to, to, to sort of work out all of the Old Testament scriptures and, and, and sort of converge it all into the life of Christ. That you just could not, it's beyond human, human capacity. Yeah. If it isn't beyond the capacity of the most powerful supercomputers to fit something together so, to dovetail yeah. it so perfectly to the fulfillment in Christ in the seed. I, I find it mm. awe-inspiring. It is. Awe-inspiring. Mm. Mm. I, you know, I didn't come to faith in that way myself, no. you see. I came in through Christ. So, that, I mean, that's just interesting. That's God, very interesting. Um, because, you know, I, I was an agnostic, I suppose. I, mm. I wasn't sure, is there a God, isn't there a God? Yeah. And then I hear about Christ and how he fulfilled. I didn't know anything, really. Yeah. But I, I didn't go through that law process myself, yeah. although I, I see that's right. But I, I, I meet Christ, and, and then I realize how he's fulfilled all those things you're talking about. Yeah. 
And then I think, he must be real. And if he's real, and if he's risen from the dead, and he was crucified for my sins, then I must be a sinner. <laughs> you know, I, I, yeah. I came through it another route, you might yeah, say. Very interesting. But we, we still have to discover the same realities one way or the other. You know, that yeah. I'm a sinner who needs salvation, you know, and, and it's offered to me through Christ. But um, I don't want to limit things that it's got to happen a certain no, way. Because God, God you know, we, we're dealing with people who uh, don't even necessarily believe in God. That's right. But deep down they know there's a God. Yes, I'm sure they And, and when we preach Christ to them, um, we have to trust I, the Holy Spirit. I tell you, Spirit for me, while we're, while we're on the subject, I, um, for me, I, I, my dad had a lot of books of theology, and you know how to read them and be excited. But in terms of my own heart, and my uh, behavior, I was oblivious to sin until, and it's absolutely true, until I reached the age of discretion around 12, and suddenly I became aware that this is, this all fits, that, that, that there is such a thing as mm. sin and right and wrong, and you know, stealing sweets from the local shop is wrong, it's not mm. just funny, you mm. know, that you do as a little kid, and, and then suddenly I became, and then I went through my early teens where I was still kicking against it and going, getting in with the wrong crowd. And then it was just, well, I got to my mid-teens and then I was, by his grace, I was given an opportunity to start again. Mm. Yeah. After five schools. <laughs> but, yeah. So there we are, that's my yeah. confession. Um, I, having having um, erred, I wouldn't say sinned earlier, transgressed earlier by, <laughs> by saying, uh, you know, have we finished this verse? I'm not going to say that again. <laughs> um, which verse are we on? 21, maybe. Let's go for 21. I'll tell you, unless John cuts in and says... No, no, you've, no you've, that's fine. You've jumped the gun, Derek. So is the law therefore opposed to the promise of, of God? Right, so... Paul could have said no me by no means. No, in other words, of course it can't be because God brought the law in. Yeah. So, um, in other words, you've got to understand the law. It doesn't replace the promise of God through Abraham. Yeah. Obviously not. That's impossible. Yeah. And it's something different, mm. but it doesn't work against the promise of God. It's all part of God's plan of salvation. Yeah. Um, and... Um, but it's the Holy re, he's always re, Paul's re-emphasizing, re-emphasizing, re-emphasizing. Mm. Yeah, and, and he's giving more. So in other words, he says the law is part, you know, the, the Holy Spirit does convict of sin yeah. and judgment. Yeah. Uh, but not to make us, you know, but to make us realize our need, yeah. of our need for, for salvation. That's the point. Because it's, it's said that, well, it's quite interesting, isn't it? If a law had been given that could impart life, then righteousness would certainly have come by the law. But in other words, it couldn't mm. impart life. I mean, he, he's saying, he's kind of criticizing the legalists here because he's saying the way you're interpreting the law is that it contradicts the promises of God. You're, you're saying that the law is now the system that's overriding the promise of God. Mm. And he says, you, you, you're wrong because yeah. you're, you're making the law as if it's the enemy yeah. of the promise. Yeah. But he says, no, the law is is to encourage you to receive the promise. <laughs> yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly, exactly. Um, and, then, and then he says that, you know, in the second half of the verse. Yes. That's... 
which I've, which I've just said. But he, if, he, if a law yeah. had been given that could impart life, mm. then righteousness would have come by the law. But he's saying if. But if, he's basically saying words, it couldn't. It's, 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 it, it doesn't have that ability no. to make you better. Yeah. External constraints on your character do, might control your behavior, but they can't make you a better person. They can't change you no. from the inside. That's they can't right. give you life. So with the best, you know, if there was a way, then God might have used that. But the law, by its very nature, cannot save you, cannot change you in, in, in your inner nature. And so, therefore, the law was never given for that purpose. That's, the promise does that. It's grace that does that. The law might, though, serve another purpose, but it doesn't serve that purpose because it's impotent in that regard. So what I, what I find is we, it, if, if you... And I know it's necessary, and Paul had to write this for his readers, but I find that when you really keep digging into, uh, even correcting the, the wrong interpretation of the law, you can it can be quite heavy. Yeah. And you, know, you become legalistic in saying that it shouldn't be legalistic because you have to go into the legalism to correct the the wrong interpretation of the legalism. So sometimes you need to just <laughs> you know, take a break. But, um, but we can't because we've still got the Bible study to complete. <laughs> but my little brain can't take it in. Uh, John, have you got anything to add? No, I, I haven't. I'm, I'm learning such a lot from Derek. I, you are? Yes. But there is, you know, we're, Paul, Paul is a detailed person. So yes. he's not, he, he's because he cares for his readers. He's not skirting over it. He's, mm. he's really re-emphasizing, re-emphasizing. It is, it is hard material. I you think know, it if, is. If, read, if the listeners are thinking, you know, this is quite yeah, challenging. It is hard. I, I yeah. found in my studies that yeah. understanding the law and, and these things, yeah. it is a very important because there is a legalism in us that we, if we recognize it, we'll, we'll learn, oh, I'm trying to do this myself rather than trusting in grace. But it, it is important to understand. But, but also you can get folks coming along with the wrong interpretation and then you will need this, mm. as it were, counter to the wrong interpretation. Yes, you will. And uh, remember that the, the Jesus fulfilled the law perfectly and and it was then nailed to his cross. So it, it doesn't exist anymore, which, is, which makes sense of there being no, no sacrifices possible, no temple in which to, to conduct sacrifices, because while they were conducting sacrifices, they were, had their sin, as it were, in their face all the time. They were constantly being reminded of it because they had to take an animal to the, to the temple and lay their hands on it and have the thing sacrificed on it. And those sacrifices after the Lord are not accepted. No, they're not. They're, they're, they're a bit of a, an abomination to yes, God. they are. So they don't exist He's Denying the anymore. sacrifice of the they've Lord Jesus. They've not existed for 2,000 years because they, they, they're, they're not needed. Yeah. What they need is Christ. He's, he's all they need. They don't need a sacrificial system. But because they rejected Christ in large numbers, and the sacrificial system has gone, it's very hard now, you think it's very, very hard. They're wedded to their, to, to their, their legal system and the law no longer points them to Christ, if you understand what I'm saying, because mm. it's nailed to the cross. Yeah. And they're not reminded of their sinfulness through the sacrificial system. Mm -hmm. So it's a real problem. 
Mm. And, and it's a problem which spills out into the rest of the world, of course. Yeah. Mm. Being able to have their sinfulness identified. I'm going to throw in a complete googly now on, on Derek, because he'll be able to handle yeah, he'll, he's he's got, he knows how to bat, bat away anything I throw at him. But um, why, therefore, um, will the third temple be built? Well, well that because that is all about the sacrifices again. Yes. I think that, that will be it will only be there for three and a half years. Again, sure. it's not sure. a reinstitution of the yep. law of Moses. I mean, it's, I there, know it's to fulfill there are the, the prophecy that it will happen. Yeah, some but Christians have a that. problem with it, obviously. Yeah. But there are four clear prophecies that talk about the mm. future yeah. temple. Yeah. But one thing is Judaism is a bloodless religion. And the primary purpose of the temple um, will be to reach Israel, God's outreach to Israel in the tribulation, I believe, mm. but as well as to the whole world through the mm. two witnesses. Doesn't it say somewhere it will be a memorial? That, 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 it, it does, but oh, I can't put my finger on it. That, that, mm. Well, I, I think the sacrificial system that set up will be a memorial, so that it, mm. will, it will look back to remind them. Yeah, that, that will be the function, you yes. know, from God's point of view. Yes. Because that's, that's right. Now, the, the, the Orthodox Jews doing it might not see yeah, it that no. way, but, but you're absolutely right. Yeah. Uh, that these, because what, will, what I believe will happen, because one of them is Revelation 11, the two witnesses who are preaching in the temple, and they are doing signs and wonders, but what they'll be preaching essentially is Christ. They'll be yeah. preaching the gospel. So, the, first of all, the, the Jewish, the sacrifices that are being made actually are, are reminding Israel, actually, that, that forgiveness is, is through the blood. Not yeah. remission of sins, yeah. it's through the blood, not through your works. Yeah. So it's reminding them of the, one of the truths of, of, yeah. the law, of the law, that it's by a blood sacrifice of a substitutionary offering. And at the same time, the two witnesses will be preaching and say, Christ has been sacrificed for you. He has died for you. And they won't, they'll try and kick them off the Temple Mount, but they won't be able to because can I, fire comes out of it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So can I throw this one in? Because the Lord said uh, of the signs of his coming, when you see the abomination that causes desolation, as spoken of in the prophet mm. uh, Daniel, um, referring back to the, the, the time of the Maccabees with Antiochus Epiphanes, you know, sacrificing the pig in the temple. Mm. In Isaiah 66, it, it says um, in verse uh, 2, um, this is the one I esteem, who is humble and contrite in spirit and trembles at my word. Then he says, but whoever sacrifices a bull is like one who kills a man. Whoever offers a lamb, like one who breaks a dog's neck. Whoever makes a grain offering is like one who presents pig's blood. Pig's blood. And whoever burns memorial incense, like one who worships an idol. They have chosen their own ways and their souls delight in their abominations. And I just wonder whether that is referring to the sacrifices that will be made post-Christ, post the, the seed um, in a rebuilt third temple. Yeah. Things that pre-Christ would have been received post are an abomination. I don't agree with that. No, no, I'm just asking. Yeah. <laughs> Only well, that, that. What because, is that referring to because, in chapter 66? Well, the thing is, Jesus talked about it. Well, that's a good question. Yeah. Uh, Jesus talked about it being the holy place in Revelation yeah. 11. It's the temple of God. Yeah. Although people call, talk about it being the Antichrist temple. Mm -hmm. It's a, he does desecrate the temple, yeah. but to desecrate it 
it had to be holy in the first place. Sure. So it is a temple of God that he ordained, yeah. and that means the sacrifices had okay. to be ordained. And in the millennium, there's going to be a millennial temple with ordained sacrifices. Yeah. So okay. I would prefer to interpret Isaiah 66 in the context of the fact that what God hates is outward religion and outward ritual, because mm -hmm. remember the first it verse you read was about the heart. heart. Got it. But if you are just, you know, he says, your, your, your lips honor me, yeah. but your heart is far that's away fine. from me. Yeah. That's what I think. And a man there is, are other a verses who is, who is not one, only one outwardly, but a man is a Jew is one inwardly in circumcision of the heart by the spirit and not by the written code. It's what we're talking about is like the Jews who, you know, or anyone really that is trying to please God by rituals and, and, and outward works. Yeah. And yet their heart. Is, That's is it. not yeah is exactly. not saved that 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 is a stench to god yeah great thanks Lindsay. clearing that one out i think sometimes it's good to break out and and think mm. about yeah. you know other scriptures that have a bearing or this has a bearing on on them and but from yeah. god's point of view that in the tribulation temple the as it were the the sacrifices will be visual aids yeah uh, or memorial as john said okay that, that, the, that the, then the two witnesses can use yeah. to point people to Christ and yeah. say, look, yeah. this has been fulfilled by Christ. Good. So let's go back to the, you know, as it were, into the weeds of, of, the, <laughs> of the law. And we've got about five minutes. Well, there, we, so. the, the, ne us, the next us. one is a picture of what yes. the law does. He's Verse, giving an illustration. Verse 22. Yep. But the scripture has confined all under sin. Yeah. Now, this word confined means imprisoned. Yeah. So now he's saying, look, think of the, uh, the law as a prison yeah. or a jailer, if you like. It confines us. It's an outward restraint on us. Mm. It confines us under sin and under condemnation. Mm. Now, it's an interesting analogy. It's in a way, you only put criminals in a jail, mm. right? And, and there's a purpose to that. You have to constrain them. You, you, you know, and one thing that the law does is it, it limits the sin. You, the, in Timothy, he says the law is for sinners, it's for criminals. It's, you know, because uh, you have to control this, this sinner who's yeah. going to do damage otherwise. Yeah. So the, the law, in a way, condemns us. It puts us in prison. It makes us realize, you know, yeah. our, our predicament. Now, if somebody gets saved in jail, for instance and his heart is changed, he doesn't need the law anymore. He doesn't need yeah. the prison anymore to control him because he's now going to love his neighbor. No, he doesn't need that external constraint because he's changed in his, in his, yeah. in his heart. So the law was like an external constraint to manage sinners, yeah. <laughs> if you like, yeah. but only yeah. until, all right, um, until that the promise by faith in Christ Jesus might be given to those who believe. Yeah, yeah. So the, the idea is that now that we, we, we realize our mess, we realize we're in prison to our sin, and yeah. we're under the judgment of God, now we're going to be motivated, mm. you know, to someone who comes along and says, I can set you free from this prison. Yeah. I, I have the key, you know, mm. um, and then we, we receive the promise yeah. and we're changed and now we don't need a prison around us anymore. That's right. It's a temporary right. thing. And that carries yeah. over into 
verse 23 as well. Before mm. this faith came, we were held prisoners by the law. Exactly. Locked up until, so there's another until there, until faith should so, be released. So the law is, a, yes, the law is the prison, but it's also the prison God, as it were. Yeah. Um, locking us up. Before faith came, and when it says faith comes, it really is talking about faith in Christ. You know, we yes, have a particular, I mean, Abraham believed, but we have a more specific faith yeah. in the person of Jesus Christ who yeah. died for our yeah. sins and rose from the dead. And it's that Christian faith yes. that we have now yeah. that has now come. Yeah. The new covenant faith yeah. that has come. And now... Uh, to lead us to Christ. Exactly. So it, before that, we, we were kept under God by the law. Yeah. Um, but that was so that we would look for the one who would come to set us free. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so it prepares us for freedom. My scripture says it's that. the supervision of the law. You mentioned tuition as well. Um, it's the tutor. That's the next yeah. verse. Yeah, yes. I know. I know. Um, yes. Yeah, so, praise God. So yeah. the whole idea is, of course, that the law served a temporary purpose to prepare us for Christ. Yeah and Christ would set us free, and then we won't need the law anymore, as yeah, John's been fine. saying. Right. Yeah. It, it, it was a temporary thing, yeah. um, and sometimes maybe we need to experience our, our hopelessness and our sinfulness without Christ, so that when freedom comes and is offered to us, we'll, we say, yes, exactly. I receive. You can I see the contrast. Yeah. So we're, out of, we're pretty well out of time. It just a, another Romans verse or couplet comes to mind, where it says, now we know that whatever the law says, it says to those who are under the law, mm. so that every mouth may be silenced and the whole world held accountable to God. And then he says, therefore, no one, or he says, but, I think, um, therefore, no, therefore, no one will be declared righteous in his sight, in God's sight, by observing the law. Rather, through the law, we become conscious of sin. Mm. And then, but now a righteousness from God, apart from the law, has been revealed. Mm to which the law and the prophets testify. This righteousness comes through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. There is no difference for all of sin and fallen short of the glory of God. Mm. They justify freely by his grace through the death. The redemption that came by Christ Jesus. First for the Jew, then for the Gentiles. So it's all encompassing. And I think we're going to cover that next week as well, talking about us being all one in Christ, neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free. See you next week. Thank you very much. Thank you.